Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our college pastor, Jonathan DeJesus. Good morning. How's everybody doing? It's good to see y'all. It's good to hear all of you and see your beautiful faces on this uh, amazing Sunday. Glad you are here. And for those of you watching online, glad you're here as well. Um, Before I go any further, I kind of want to address something. Um, There's been a lot of talk, um, a lot of chatter about me. And I want to kind of give you my perspective. But before I get there, the reason there's been talk is because of this thing on my face. Yes, it's real. No, it's not a caterpillar. And my wife has given me permission to have it. All right? There's been a lot of chatter. I'm in this men's group um, that I would say, if you're not in a group, you should be because of some of the reasons that I'm about to tell you. All right? You need to be in a men's group because it's in a men's group or women's group or a group, right, where you get to encounter the love, the laughter, and the joy from other believers, all right? For example, some of the joys that they love to kind of point out is that I look like this person. All right? Some of them say I look like this person. And I hope this next one you don't know who it is, but some of them say I look like this person. And lastly, this person. And I didn't throw one up there because it kind of offended me because I actually look like it. It's called Mario. Um, you know, let's go. Um, right? But, but the reality is that um, in a group, right, you, you get to be compared to fictional characters, uh, drug dealers, um, world changers, and, and, and even, even uh, a little bit of... Um, some laughter, you get to share in some laughter. And I find it awesome and hilarious all at the same time. And so if you're not in a small group, I would consider that you talk to John and ask him to put you in a group that fits for you. Because after this, I will be talking to John about changing me to a new group. Um, JK, JK. But, you know, it's in a group where you get to, joy, to, to enjoy laughter and persecution at the same time. Um, it's just, that's what groups are sometimes. Uh, but since we're on the, the, the subject of persecution, show of hands, how many of you enjoy persecution or being persecuted? Anybody? No? I didn't think so. Right? No one enjoys persecution. No one enjoys uh, this idea of, 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 of what persecution looks like. And, and persecution takes on many forms. All right, you can be persecuted for the things you wear. You can be persecuted for the, t- the team you cheer for. You can be persecuted for the things you believe. All right, now, I know in the Western world where we live in, in America, persecution is one of those hard words that many of us don't like to talk about. It's one of those things that we kind of fear. It's in the back of our mind. We know that it's happening in the world, but we really hope that it never meets our door. You know, we enjoy where we live, we enjoy the reality of what we are doing in the world, that we get to, 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 to think freely, that we get to dress up how I want to, believe what I want to, but we live in a world where persecution is a reality. 
and many are being persecuted today because of what they believe. Now I know in the West, many are being persecuted for, for the silliness of the teams they cheer for, right? Who here was up late watching football yesterday? Nobody? I was about to say, yeah, some of y'all need to repent. You're not lying. <laughs> I know you were, right? There's a lot of dog fans in here. There's a lot of other fans in here, right? I was up pretty late watching some football, but, but even there, right? If you're not a person who cheers for the same team as me, you get persecuted. Not in a, in a wrong way, but, but kind of in a silly way, right? And, 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 and the reality is that, that persecution is not something that we should fear, You see, the early followers of Jesus understood how important um, their ministry was, their calling to follow Jesus was, and they also understood that persecution would probably follow them. They understood that, that they being called as their people, as a people of God, would also mean they have a target on their back. You see, from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, God had chosen his people, and he set them apart, and he said, you will be my people, and immediately they had a target on their back by everyone else. Right? God had said, hey, I want you to pursue me with everything you have. And that's going to make you stand out. And people won't like that. That's what I love about this series. We're calling it All In. But I, I kind of want to give you a disclaimer. Because being all in means that you're going to take a step into that direction. Being all in means I'm going to say no to my desires. I'm going to say no to the things of the world that I'm going to pursue Jesus with everything I have which means you're gonna stand in the line of fire, which means that you're gonna be a target for others to criticize and ridicule and, and kind of spit on at times. So this idea of being all in is a beautiful idea and I hope you hear it, but I also wanna say that you, the step you're taking, it is gonna be taking it towards that, but you're not alone. You see, Jesus is with you. Jesus understands what this is. Jesus, even himself, in, in Matthew 10, 22, says this, and you will be what? Hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And then in Luke 21, 16 and 19, he says, you will be delivered up by your parents, by brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you, they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. What Jesus is saying is, look, I, I, Jesus, understand the weight of persecution. The creator of heaven and earth himself stepped into humanity to be ridiculed, to, be, to, 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 to ultimately take the punishment of sin for you and for me. And he says, that's what I'm calling you to because I'm calling you to something new. I'm calling you to live under a new kingdom, under a new lifestyle, and it's different because the world's not gonna like it. Jesus understands this. He understands what it means to do and live life here and now. Jesus understands that what he is calling his disciples to do is to step in the front lines, but he's also calling them to bring about the message of hope. And the world doesn't want that. There There are enemies in the world that don't want hope. Because if hope, just a, a sliver of hope can be proclaimed, man, it can change a generation. It can change the trajectory of human, humanity. When a sliver of hope begins to, to poke his head through the ground, something happens. 
That's what I love about our passage today. My hope is that our passage today would, would bring you comfort, but at the same time help you to reevaluate your life and see where in your daily life you need Jesus to shake some things up so that you can become all in for the kingdom of God. Today, one of the characters that we're talking about, his name is Philip. And, and many of us know of a Philip, and, and, and this one's not the apostle Philip. Right? This, this, is, this is a disciple. A disciple, someone who said, I'm going to pursue Christ with everything I have. And I'm going to kind of, kind of give you a little bit of background on him just really quickly. Philip was, 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 was a young man who was chosen to serve. Right? In, in, in chapter 6 of Acts, we see this, this beautiful story where um, the Hellenistic Jews were a, a part of the community of believers. And they were like, hey man, some of, some of y'all are forgetting us. Our widows. Some of you are, are, are not helping. And so the apostles say, okay, well, we, we got to focus on continuing the mission. Let's, let's put together a group of men that are devout, that are going to be all in, that are filled with the Spirit of God, so that they can in turn do what needs to be done. And Philip is one of those. Philip was a disciple who understood the call. He also understood that persecution would probably be around the door. He understood that persecution was not far, but he also understood that if I'm obedient and faithful to the mission, God will never leave me. God will never leave me. So there's two things I want us to take away from the story. I'm gonna give them to you up front so that you can just listen. Okay? The first one is this. We are called to be faithful and obedient to the greater mission. You and I are called to be faithful and obedient to the greater mission. Number two, we are called to be faithful and obedient in the unknown. We are called to be faithful and obedient in the unknown. Now, Philip's story will ultimately allow us to understand this, right? So if you have your Bibles, um, you can start turning them to Acts chapter 8. And as you are turning there, um, it'll also be on the screen in here in just a second. But as you are turning there, let me kind of set the stage because we're entering into kind of the middle of a story, right? We find ourselves in Acts chapter 8 by, by this idea that something has happened, right? In chapter 7, there's a guy by the name of Stephen who's just filled with the Spirit of God, and he is doing amazing things in the community, so much so that, that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the E's are, are, are just like, man, we don't, we don't like this guy. Right? And, and so they, they, they get into a debate with Philip, I mean, excuse me, with Stephen. And Stephen is so filled with the Spirit that, that the debate goes sour for them. Like, Stephen is like, yeah, and he just retells the story of God. He, he starts to tell them about why this matters, and they're like, man, we can't catch this guy in a lie. So they, they, they deceive a plan, or they put together a plan, and, and they say, well, how do, we, how do we get this guy? Well, let's lie about him. And so they put this lie together, and they bring Stephen before the council, and the council gets very angry because the things he's speaking on hits their hearts and they don't want to change. So they drag him out and kill him. Stephen is one of Philip's friends, one of the guys that he did ministry with. All right? And so the beauty of this is, though, that there's another man in the picture. There's another man holding jackets, cloaks, whatever they wore back then, and his name is Saul. 
And Saul approves of what's happening. Saul was a devout Pharisee. Saul um, learned from the top Pharisee. And he says, you know what? This is okay. We need, to, we need to execute everyone who believes in Jesus so that we can get rid of the name of Jesus from this earth. And this is where we find ourselves. So in Acts uh, chapter eight, verse one, this is what it says. And Saul approved of the execution. Whose execution? Stephen's execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. I want to pause because this is key. It says that they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. Listen, the people that were scattered were not the apostles. They were ordinary men and women who said, I'm going to follow Jesus. All right, you and I, ordinary men and women who said, I'm going to pursue God with everything I have. Those were the ones that were scattered. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentations over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Something I want us to understand before I kind of break this down is that God loves to work in great reversals. God loves to work in great reversals. When it seems like something is going in the wrong direction, God says, I can use that. When your life seems to be turned upside down and you're like, God can never use my life, he says, absolutely, I can. When you find yourself in your most broken state, God says, I can use you now because you'll trust me. My hope is that you would hear that in this message. You see, what what God loves to do is to take the problems of our lives and the issues in the world and use them for his glory. He likes to use the things that are happening and ultimately use them for the advancement of the gospel but also for the advancement of his kingdom. When persecution arose, right, some of the disciples didn't hide. They didn't hide away. Instead, they went on and continued to preach the gospel. One of those disciples is the character of our story, Philip. Philip didn't hide. He could have. His friend just died. One of the guys he did ministry with just died, and that could have put an immense fear into his life, and instead of running away in fear, he runs in a good direction. He runs toward another town, and he says, I'm going to go to this town so that I can continue to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Philip understood the mission. He understood the call. Philip understood that there was a a heavy weight, a heavy burden placed on all of us as followers of Jesus to keep going. Philip, when persecution arose, that uh, he didn't run away from it, rather he was motivated by it so that it would not help him to sit put, right, to stay still. Uh, Persecution didn't say, oh, well, I'm afraid of it, and so I got to stay here and hide. No, persecution motivated him to say, no, I got to keep going. Because someone needs to hear the good news of Jesus. Someone needs to hear that there is hope in the world. When there seems like there's no hope, someone needs to hear that there is hope and his name is Jesus Christ. I'm going to read a quote. It's not going to be up here. And it's a little bit hard. It was hard for me to read it. It was hard for me to even put it on here. But I got to say it. The quote was by Martin Luther. He said this. This is what he thought about as for Christians. He said, Christians are like manure. If Christians stay put, they become, they become stagnant and begin to stink. 
But if Christians spread out and go, they become very fruitful and produce a crop that's endless, that has an endless potential for harvest. That's a hard pill to swallow, that we would be called manure. But what he is ultimately saying is there's potential in our lives that if we would just listen and obey to Jesus, that we would, instead of being stuck together and, 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 and becoming stagnant, but rather we go to the world. We go into this great, 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 great place of, 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 of culture. We go into these, <clears throat> excuse me, places and begin to spread out. And God will use our lives in a way that produces a crop that we've never seen. I mean, think about this. Look at the seats next to you. Right, yeah, there's a lot of people on vacation, but imagine a room that's so full where people just can't sit on a seat, they have to sit on the floor. Imagine a place where, where hope was preached. Imagine a place where the, the, the gospel is proclaimed and lives are beginning to transform. Imagine if the church took this call serious. Because it did. It did, and for 2,000 years, here we are, 2,000 years later, talking about the same thing. I think there needs to be a reevaluation of our minds, a restructure of what we are doing today. That we need to reevaluate and say, okay, am I being faithful and obedient to the call and the mission of God? There's a couple things that I want us to understand from this story. All right, we read that, 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 that persecution hits the door. Philip goes to this town. He goes to the town of Samaria, which ultimately was not a piece of cake. Because if you remember, Jews and Samaritans don't get along. So here's a Jew saying, I'm going to Samaria to preach the gospel. He's not running from persecution, but rather he's going to a place where God can continue to use him in the hard places. He's saying, I, 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 don't, I don't care what happens to me, but I rather, I rather care what happens through me. I want God to use me in such a way that impacts lives. Here's a few things that I, that I think Philip understood. Philip understood that he wasn't called to run from persecution, but rather tackle it head on when it approached him. Philip understood that he wasn't doing this alone, but the, the proclaiming the good news of Jesus, he wasn't doing it alone, he was doing it with other believers, but also with God himself, because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Philip understood that God was at work now in him to bring about the advancement of the kingdom of God. And just like Philip, my hope is that we understand and we're not called to run away in fear when it seems like everything is against us in the world. Instead, let's tackle it head on. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit living in us. The same power that resurrected Jesus from the grave is the same power that dwells in you and me. And so I can speak with boldness and authority and say, no, this is what the gospel says. This is how hope is proclaimed. This is how I can walk and stand on the boldness of an empty tomb. You all have that. If you've placed your, your faith in Jesus, you have that too. And just like Philip, God is at work here and now in you and in me to bring about the advancement of his kingdom here and now in Milledgeville and in the surrounding areas. God is inviting you to join him in what he is doing now. He wants you to go into the workplace. He wants you to speak boldly of Jesus, to go into your classrooms and not be afraid to say, I'm a follower of Jesus, I proclaim his name, but rather to live your life in such a joy, to live your life in such a way that others say, I want that. I want what they have. 
May we, you and I, become a people, may this community become a people who stays faithful and obedient to the call and the mission of God, despite what may look like, it may look like on the outside. Despite the persecution that may come our way. Despite the ridicule. I don't care if they say that we're the crazy church. Is the love of God being shared? Yes. Our lives being transformed? Yes. Then who cares? Like, I personally don't care if, if someone calls me crazy. Okay. Can I continue the mission? Yeah. All right. All right. Like, like young people, look, let me tell y'all something. I love young people. But don't lose that fire that you have inside of you. Don't lose the fire that's inside of you to say, I don't care what other people think. I don't care, why? Because Jesus transformed my life. And if you can keep that, you'll change a generation that you'll forever. Don't lose that. Some of my older folks, I love you. I care about you. But please, do not lose the fire to pour into young men and women. You need to pour into young men and women. Why? Because the gospel tells us how else will we know which way to go if, if the roads that we're walking, we've never walked them before, but you have. You know the hard paths. You know which way you should and shouldn't go. Don't hoard that into yourself. Don't keep that for yourself. Pour into the younger generation because there are young men and women who need to hear of the good news of Jesus Christ. Philip was a human being. I think many times we look at uh, this story and we think, well, Philip was a human who endured hard things. He understood persecution. He understood anxiety. He probably had depression. But he said, I'm going to continue the mission and be obedient. <laughs> then there's another part of the story that I think is so unique. And it comes in Acts chapter 8, or chapter 8, verse 26. It says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. My second point is simple. We are called to be faithful and obedient in the unknown. The Lord told Philip, go to this place, this desert place. Go and share. Look, I can relate with Philip. When my family and I decided to move to Millersville, I had no idea what Millersville was. It felt like a desert place. I was like, who lives in Millersville? I don't know. Where is Millersville? No idea. Go. Okay. Some of you need to say okay to the next desert place God is calling you to. Some of you need to say okay to the, to the weird, unknown places God is calling each of you to. Because it's in the unknown and in this desert place where God is doing something beautiful. Right, look at the story. The story, Acts 27, or Acts chapter 8, verse 27 says, and he arose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court of the office of Candace, a queen of the Ethiopians who was in charge of all her treasures. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in the chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading the Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come in. Now the passage of the scriptures that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shears is silent. So like a lamb before its shears is silent. So he opens not his mouth. 
In humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this, his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I asked, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? And the Philip opened his mouth and began to speak the scriptures about Jesus. I have three questions I want to ask you. Number one, have you considered that God might be calling you to the unknown because he is at work orchestrating something that you cannot just see yet? That you cannot see just yet. Philip didn't know that the Ethiopian eunuch was going to be riding down in the desert. But instead he listened and obeyed. And as he was walking, he encounters his chariot and his guy reading from the prophet Isaiah. He must have been reading really loud for Philip to understand or even hear. And he listens to the voice of the Spirit, says, go, go over there and tell him. Philip simply obeyed and trusted God along the journey. Imagine if we did that. Imagine the lives that would be transformed by just our simple obedience. Number two, second question. Have you considered that maybe God has brought you here to Millsville, here to this church, because he wants you to understand more of him? It was no coincidence that the Ethiopian man was reading the scriptures while Philip was walking in the desert. There was no coincidence. And so God wanted the Ethiopian man to understand more of who God was and God is. And so he provided the means by Philip. In the middle of a desert, imagine an Ethiopian unit looking out his window and some Jewish guy just running next to him. Hey, how are you? Come on in. Tell me about this person. Who is this person? And he's like, I, I know who this person is. His name is Jesus. I've studied him. I've, I've, heard, I've heard the stories of what he did with the apostles. I've heard of the miracles he did. Let me tell you how all of scripture points to him. Number three, have you considered that maybe Jesus is calling you to simply say yes to his invitation? See, God is at work in the background preparing hearts of men and women so that when you say yes, their lives may be transformed. When you simply obey and, and, and continue to be faithful here and now, hearts can be captivated by the hope that is found in Jesus. Something that I find so beautiful is the act of simple obedience. You see, in, in, in verse 36, it goes on and he talks about how the Ethiopian eunuch receives these words and then he looks outside the chariot and he sees a body of water. And he uses a beautiful line. He says, what prevents me? What prevents me from being baptized? What is stopping me from accepting the beautiful truth of the gospel? Nothing. Nothing. And he gets baptized right then and there. Now, as I wrap this up, there's a story that I missed out in between them. And it's on the story of Simon the sorcerer. But I think the beauty and wonder of both of these stories, Philip being obedient and Simon the sorcerer, is that one, Simon wanted his own glory to shine. Simon wanted the power of the Holy Spirit so that he could be known by man. Where Philip says, I don't care. I don't care about, I don't care about this, this glory. I prefer that God would be glorified here and now. I have one final question that I didn't say. 
And it's this, what prevents you today from receiving the good news? Or what is preventing you from saying yes to proclaiming the good news of Jesus to others? Some of us need to hear the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. What's preventing you? What is stopping you? Is it the fear of persecution? Is it the fear of others, what they're gonna say about you? What is stopping you from taking the mission of God seriously and being faithful and obedient? here and now, not tomorrow, not yesterday, right here, right now. What is stopping you? And that's a question only you can answer. I can't answer it for you. That's a question that I think many of us need to ask ourselves every day. What is stopping me? My sermon in a sentence is quite simple. Being all in looks like faithful obedience to the next yes in your life to God. What's the next yes that God is asking you to do? Yes, Lord, I'll go. Yes, I'll go and talk to them. Yes, I'll give to this organization. Yes, I will give my time and my efforts and my skills and my talents. Maybe your next yes is I need to get baptized. Maybe your next yes is just to say, yes, he is Lord over my life. I don't know what your next yes is, but I hope that this message encourages you to think a little harder to obedience and faithfulness. And so if you need to pray, we'll be up top, we'll be on the, on, the, on the corners. There's also the altars open. If you need to just bend the knee and just say, God, I need, I need to repent and say yes to the next thing you call me to do. Come, pray with me. Father, as we, as we close, we get ready to worship, I ask that you stir hearts up for the next yes in our lives so that we can be all in for you. Help us to proclaim good news. Help us to be like Philip and not like Simon the sorcerer who, who just wants you for their glory. But instead, we want you because we love you and we care for you and we want no glory at all. We just want to see hearts and lives transformed by what you are doing. So Lord, I ask that you help us right now to reevaluate our minds and our hearts to what the next yes is. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.